All right, TLR, how are we feeling tonight? You guys, you guys feeling all right? You good? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going to stand for a minute because we're about to sit for a while, and I hate seat- sitting down like you're going to probably see me tonight. I'm going to like want to stand up the whole time, so I'm just going to stand while I have the opportunity right now. But hey, welcome to the living room. This is awesome. Um, I hope you guys are doing great. Again, as Beth said, we're super sorry if you did not get fed um, to full potential tonight, but next week we will have you fed with Chick-fil-A. It's going to be incredible. But before we even dive into tonight, I want to tell you about what's coming up next week, next Monday night. It is the last Monday night of the semester here at the living room. Um, It's not the last gathering. We have a Christmas gathering that's Friday, December 1st, but it's the last Monday night. And I just want to tell you from the start, like tonight's going to be awesome. It already has been awesome. Holy cow. Um, But next week is going to be a night that you do not want to miss. Like, I'm just telling you right now, it's going to be an unbelievable night. In fact, next week, um, we're going to remove all of the chairs from the room, um, and we're going to challenge you guys because we believe that, like, it's going to be packed, and we're not going to be able to fit enough chairs in the room because we don't have any more chairs than what we even have tonight, and I think next week's going to be pretty crazy. So we're, like, going to move the chairs out of the room. It's going to be a night of worship, and here's my challenge. Like, Show up, like make a way to be here and bring someone with you. Bring two people with you. Bring like, we already heard that one girl's like, my whole sorority's coming. Another girl's like, our whole like ministry on campus is coming and we're bringing them. It's just going to be an amazing night where we're going to celebrate all that God has done throughout the semester. And not only that, but 13 people are getting baptized next week. That's worth a round of applause. So we cannot wait for next week. So I'm just telling you, fair warning, you've been warned. Don't say I didn't warn you. Um, Next week's going to be amazing. So be here. Cannot wait. For it, But this series, Way to the World, has been an awesome one. In the first two weeks, I love where we've been. Um, two weeks ago, we kicked it off by saying that the presence of anxiety in our lives is unavoidable. Like sometimes we're just going to walk through seasons or moments in life where the presence of anxiety is unavoidable. But we talked about how the prison of anxiety is optional. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And we talked about how maybe there's some weight that you just need to let go of, and we challenge you to do that in week one. And then last week in week two, Hannah Brencher was with us, and she shared her story. And she did just an amazing job sharing her personal story of of walking through anxiety, walking through depression. And then she didn't stop there, but she talked about some action steps that she has taken in her own life to begin to overcome anxiety, to overcome depression. And it was incredible. And then tonight, I am super, super excited because Tonight, we have two amazing Atlanta uh, counselors. They're they're local counselors, Christian counselors that are going to be with us. And you guys submitted some incredible questions throughout this past week, and we're going to dive into those. So without further ado, would you help me in welcoming Burke Buster and Kim Doramus to the stage? TLR, would you help me welcome them? Burke and Kim. Um, Kim, did I say your last name correctly, Doramus? Uh, I didn't know if it was Doramus, Doramus, Burke Buster. I'm pretty sure I said that correctly. But Burke and Kim, um, thank you for being here tonight. We're really excited about this. And I would love just to get to know you guys a little bit better. So, like, where are you from? Tell me something cool about yourself. Just would love to get to know you a little bit better. go first? Mm -hmm. All right. So I grew up in Alabama. I was born in Mexico, Missouri. Mexico, Missouri. Yeah. So, you should have just stopped and said you were born in Mexico. Like, that would have been cool. Yeah, yeah that would have been cool. So I'm <laughs> but, a Mexican. Yeah, is what I'm a Missourian. Called. I love yeah. it. What's up, Bert? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's great. That's right, yeah. Uh, awesome. So born in Mexico, Missouri. That's right, yeah. Well, what, what do you like to do? Like, what in your free time? A lot um, of stuff. Okay. Um, but I play guitar and sing. Wow. So I do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You got a, anything right now that you could just 
I mean, no, they, I don't they, think yeah. so. Okay. They don't want to hear me yeah. say it. Yeah. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Well, Burke, thank you for being here. Who Thanks are you a fan it. of? Who's your college team, by the way? Just Auburn. Curious. Auburn, okay. Yeah. War any, Eagle. Any Auburn fans in, in the War room? War Eagle. Any people that hate Auburn in the room? Okay, yeah. I, I don't necessarily love Auburn. But anyway, we'll move forward. Um, Kim, tell us a little about yourself. Where are you from? What do you like to do? I'm from Athens, Georgia. Go dogs. Oh, okay. We got some, got some dogs fans in the room. And Too bad. Hey, you're going down this weekend. Um, I like to do all kinds of things. Okay. I love to be active and kind of explore the city. I live pretty close to Piedmont Park. Okay. So I bike around. Yes. Favorite restaurant in the city of Atlanta? Probably El Taco. El Taco. I've never been there, but I feel like there's a Mexican restaurant every corner in Atlanta. Like, can I get an amen? And I, I'm not hating on that. I love that. But anyways, well, um, that's awesome. Burke and Kim, so you guys are both um, counselors. And so because of that, like, you're experts when it comes to this topic of anxiety and, and depression and whatnot. And so I'm just going to guess, like, you, you two being counselors, like, you guys probably don't experience anxiety like at all in your life, right? I mean, Never have. And, and if you did no. at some point, now you don't because you're an expert and like your counselors. Like, so anxiety is not a part of your lives. Is that a correct assumption? Never has been. Never will be. Right. Perfect. Awesome. So that's why they're speaking tonight. No, but uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, um, have you guys ever like experienced anxiety before? Um, uh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was hilarious. We were talking about, um, for this, when he emailed us, he was like, so we're going to have you come talk on anxiety in front of 300 people. And so we were emailing back and forth like, okay, now we're anxious. So, <laughs> so you got anxious because of this. Like, uh, right yeah. Now, every you're, now you're and then. feeling anxiety a little bit. Uh, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think, I mean, or I don't think anxiety has been a part of my story, kind of my journey, even I remember being 18 and going to counseling for the first time because of anxiety. And so it's kind of just part of my story. And I've seen a lot of hope and a lot of healing and change. Yeah, that's amazing. So you guys have both experienced anxiety in your own personal lives. Obviously, you've seen it in your professional lives being counselors. And um, last thing before we kind of dive into the questions. So you guys are counselors. I know what a lot of us are thinking um, because I am in counseling right now. I've, I've been in counseling for a couple of years. But a couple of years ago, um, before I went to my first counseling session, I thought what maybe a lot of you think currently or have thought before. I knew exactly what counseling was going to be like. See, what was going to happen is I was going to walk into the room. It was going to be super scary walking in. There was going to be like a light fog machine that was, that was rolling through the air. There was going to be some super sad and depressing music on, like, I don't know, like a song like, because I'm all alone, you know, like, there's no one here. It's the only sad, depressing song I can think of. I don't know. Um, and then, like, you know, it was almost going to be like a real-life episode of Stranger Things, if you will, like, kind of, you know, where, yeah, I just started watching it. I'm hooked right now. Um, where it's, like, a little bit creepy and just kind of, like, weird vibes, and you're looking around, and everyone's, like, judging you secretly, like, and then the counselor's going to come out and just be like, you know, like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't, that's kind of what I was thinking when I first stepped into counseling and um, realize that's not what it is. And you guys can, can confirm that, like, that is not, like, the right perception of, of counseling. That's the goal, at least. Okay, you know? I mean, awesome. We try to yeah. make it as less weird as possible. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So that's part of the goal tonight is for you guys to see Burke and Kim, two real-life counselors, amazing counselors, and for some of you maybe to see that, you know what, like, counseling isn't this, like, 
majorly intimidating thing. Um, I don't know if they want me to share this or not, but I'm going to share it. Um, I'm in counseling. Beth is in counseling. My wife, Anne, is in counseling. Like counseling, and not because we're like crazy. We, we kind of are crazy, but just because counseling like is a wise thing. So if some of you are on the fence, like I would just encourage you, like step into it. Counseling is a wise thing. Um, it's awesome. I love it. Like it's, it's amazing. So um, just wanted to throw that out there for some of you to maybe help you break down that wall or that fear or whatever it is that, that's keeping you from that if you know that's a step that you need to take. Um, but let's dive into the questions because we have some really, really amazing questions that you guys um, submitted, like I said, all throughout the past week. And so I want to dive in. First question is this. Um, Burke, I would love for you to answer this. Just what is anxiety? What is depression? And then like how does it present itself in one life, in, in, in like our lives? Like what's anxiety in real life? What's depression look like in real life? And then how do we know that it's like kind of becoming a part of our lives? Okay. So I guess there's kind of two different parts of this. One is the feelings associated with it, and then kind of clinically what's happening in the body. So uh, anxiety is kind of associated with irrational fears, worries, uncertainty. And then um, depression is more like anhedonia, which is a fancy word for uh, loss of interest in things you normally enjoy doing, uh, hopelessness, um, that kind of stuff. So anxiety, kind of restlessness. And then what was the third question? How does it like so present questions. itself in one's life? Like how do we know if we're starting to feel anxiety or depression? Well, I mean, your heart rate goes up. Sometimes you can feel it in your body. You were talking about a client in the stomach. I think you were going to say that maybe later. But the... Um, so you can even feel it in your body. I mean, you can feel it in your heart rate, you know, shaky. And even like panic attacks, especially like coldness in the arms, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah, Kim, um, I would love to know just this is a question kind of even from me. I think someone submitted this, but if not, I was going to submit this. Like, why do we get so anxious at just the smallest things? Like, I will have something that is so small. Like, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. Like, there'll be a cockroach in my house, and, I mean, my anxiety level is, like, like zero to 100 really quick, right? And, like, what is that? Why do we get anxiety over sometimes the smallest things in life? Right. Kind of like Burke was saying, um, there is a physiological response that actually happens when we get anxious. And so it's kind of like a faulty light switch. And so something just gets kind of turned on in our brain where we don't actually know how to distinguish what is dangerous anymore. And so with generalized anxiety, which is just one anxiety disorder, we just kind of believe that everything is dangerous. And our body oftentimes will trick us into believing that that cockroach is a massive dinosaur. Yeah, and, it, and I think it is in some points. Mm -hmm. Like, it looks like a dinosaur. Yeah. Um, so that's, but that's, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that, Kim. Um, so we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. Kim, I would love to ask you this question as well. How do you know, um, speaking just of anxiety and how it can be a small thing that becomes a really big thing in our lives, like, how do you know when your anxiety is something that you really need to pay attention to? Because I know for me and from just talking with a lot of the students, like, there are times in our lives where anxiety, like, we feel it and we're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's just normal. I'm just a little bit worried. I'll be fine. And how do we know when, like, that line is crossed and our anxiety, like, what we're feeling and experiencing is something that we really need to, like, pay attention to? Like, we need to alert ourselves and maybe take a step of action. How do we know when that point comes. Absolutely. That's a fantastic question, especially for college students. I mean, all you guys have tests and so many other things that you're balancing. And so I think a big distinction is kind of recognizing the difference between fear and anxiety. And so fear is kind of normal, like you have a test or Burke and I get to come sit on stage. And so there's 
kind of a normal fear, but anxiety oftentimes is just kind of more internal. It's an exaggerated response. And so I would say for you guys to kind of figure out if it's a big deal or maybe counseling is a good option is kind of how long has it been going on and then how severe is it and how much does it impact your daily life. And so if you kind of find yourself that you're isolating you are struggling to take tests. And that was part of my story in college was when I would go take a test, my mind would just go blank. And so kind of part of that would be I knew the material, but as soon as I walked in, I was like, I'm going to fail this test. I'm going to fail it. And then I'm going to end up homeless. And then <laughs> and I just kind of go down the like rabbit right, trail. Right. And so that's, I think, a big kind of way is like if your friends also tell you that maybe counseling would be helpful or that they're just noticing you be more anxious, then maybe that's a good idea. I mean, I think for me, part of my story was my parents decided that counseling would be a good idea for me at 18, and now as a 30-year-old, I get to choose counseling, and that's kind of something that I make just a rhythm in my life, and so that's kind of, I think, if you're just noticing that it's impacting your daily life or kind of more severe than just like normal worry before a test, then that's often kind of your like light switch and kind of that moment of like it's bothering you. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, next question, Burke, when do I know that I need to begin, begin taking medication? And then if I do start taking medication for my anxiety, like what does that actually do for me? So that kind of varies for, from person to person. You know, if there's obviously an inability to function, um, you know, you definitely want to consider it. But it, um, I, I guess the second part of that question is kind of figuring out why what kind of medication, and really it's the best for a doctor to decide that, but there's two different options with anxiety. There's um, something to increase serotonin, which is um, for, like, you know, happiness, thoughts, and feelings. Um, and then there's also what's called, like, a benzo, which is is uh, helpful for kind of relaxation. And that's not to be taken, um, you know, every day or, or all the time. It's really, you kind of want to monitor that with a doctor. So hopefully that Yeah, yeah, that. that's good. Yeah. Um, Burke, even bouncing off on that question, there was something that you told me because I asked you about this when we were having coffee a couple weeks ago, and there's something that you told me that was kind of has stuck with me um, in regards to medication, and you, you kind of used a truck illustration. Would you mind sharing that? Well, that was in regards to bipolar, and if somebody's okay. manic, you okay. know, um, it's like their gas pedal stuck, mm. and they're you know they can't stop. They're real ramped up. They're not sleeping. But mm. another piece of that that I think I may have mentioned was there's really three when somebody gets on medication, there's kind of three things that happen. One, there's a person that goes through one season in their life um, and one struggle, and they, they get on medication. It helps for a little bit, and then they get off of it. There's another a person that they goes through several seasons in their life, and they need to get on medication just kind of maybe two or three times in their lifetime, and there's some people that need to stay on medication. Yeah. You know, So there's really um, there's kind of a variation of of types of people out there, I guess. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I might have jumped the gun on that, but I think you even told me that, like, sometimes what medication can do for you is it's like you're a truck, you have a truck, and your truck is stuck in the mud, and medication can just kind of like give you a pull up out of the mud. Like, it's not going to solve everything for you, but sometimes you need just that extra pull to help you get up out of the mud. Oh, yeah. So I thought that yeah. was really, really yeah, good and, right. and made a lot of sense mm -hmm. um, in, in regards to what medication can actually do in your own life. Um, Burke, another question for you. Um, Someone said, my parents struggle with certain mental illnesses. Does that mean that I'm going to develop the same illness eventually in my life? Um, not ne no, not necessarily. Um, I even have a relative who's bipolar, and her son 
um, does not have bipolar. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes you can see that, but, I mean, oftentimes, I mean, not necessarily. So it's not a one-to-one thing. It's like high cholesterol or anything else, you know. I mean, it, sometimes you see it, but not always. Right, so, right. And yeah. I think that's a good question because some of you maybe are like, yeah, my, I have a family member that has this or has gone through that, and it can create anxiety in you of thinking, like, does that mean that, like, this is going to happen for me at some point in my life? Like, eventually I'm going to get to this point. So that's, and that's a normal thought, yeah, too, right, you know, to right. consider. It's like, okay, is that, does that mean I'm going to have that? You know? Right, right. That's completely That's awesome. Um, Kim, what are some ways that we can undo the mindset of years of dealing with anxiety? Like, I know a lot of us, for my, myself included, like, for a lot of us, we're like, man, this – conversation series, Weight of the World, is, is a great one. Like, I love that we're talking about anxiety. Maybe you're thinking this, but you're thinking to yourself, you know, I've been dealing with anxiety for years. Maybe you're like, for my entire life, as long as I can remember, like, I've dealt with anxiety, maybe at a pretty, like, high level. And so some of you, maybe you're thinking, like, how can I undo year after year after year of dealing with this, this anxiety? Like, what steps can I even begin to take to, like, kind of undo that, reverse it a little bit? Definitely. I mean, I think the first thing that came to my mind is counseling. Um, but obviously, I'm a counselor, and so that's what I do every day. And so I do. I work with a lot of college students, and so I think oftentimes college is, like, your first kind of step into counseling oftentimes. And so... Counseling is huge. Um, community can be a massive like support system of just also having those like safe friendships where when you are having irrational thoughts, you can kind of run it by another friend and have them help you figure out like, is this realistic? Or is there another way of kind of looking at this situation? And obviously I said safe friendships because we've got some that just aren't going to understand anxiety. And I think we're going to get to that in kind of another question, but just kind of Hopefully those friends that just understand that you know what you're thinking is probably not always rational. Um, so that's a massive piece of it. I think kind of just being able to recognize what your kind of irrational thoughts are. And so if you think about scripture, there's kind of the scripture passage where it talks about kind of just acknowledging the lie and then letting the Lord replace it. And that may not be scripture, but kind of just something that I've heard in the church. And so just being reminded that once we are able to name kind of the irrational fear, figure out if it's rational or not, and then try to replace it with truth. And oftentimes, like, the Lord's truth is just really comforting. I remember seasons where I carried around kind of note cards that had different scripture verses written on them or different, like, affirmations, and it sounds super cheesy. But sometimes we just need kind of that affirmation to say, like, you got this. Hang in there. Like, you can do it. You know the material. Kind of whatever is just comforting. Um, so I think that's definitely a major asset. Um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. those would be... That's awesome. Good. Those are some incredible action steps. I would love to know, just by a show of hands, how many of you would honestly say that since coming into college that your anxiety has increased a little bit? Okay, so, so look around the room. Like, I think that's, that's almost probably everybody in the room. Like, your anxiety since being a college student, has, has gone up a little bit. Um, so that's, that's pretty incredible. So these action steps that Kim is taking, I think for every person in the room, like there's something there to lean into because all of us, again, are dealing with anxiety to some extent. And especially in, in our college years, um, I think anxiety is, is prevalent in our lives and it's something that we feel often and maybe we feel even more than in other seasons of our lives. So we've got a couple more questions. And 
even yep. two more things just to add to that yeah. is kind of realizing the exercise. So walking around campus or actually going to the gym and then kind of just maintaining and like knowing how much coffee mm. or soda or candy or different things that you're drinking and eating throughout the day is also going to help. That's good. So not that they're wondering this, but um, like six cop cups of coffee a day, too much or... That's just right. Okay, just right. Cool, 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 cool. So I, I had eight today. So anyways, um, so a couple more questions. Um, Burke, I would love for you to answer this question. And this question, I'm going to kind of give it some context before I, I dive in. So stay with me here, Burke. Um, but here's the, the kind of context for it. So I struggle with thoughts of suicide, but it becomes increasingly harder to manage in certain seasons of life. Is this typically how this process or this challenge presents itself, where it becomes tougher in certain seasons of life? And the person said, I've seen a therapist in the past, which really helped, but I'm wondering if I need to continue going to therapy, seeing a counselor for the rest of my life, given the severity of this challenge. So, Burke, I would love for you just to really answer this question right here. How do you know if therapy should be a lifelong component of your self-care routine? That was a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you need so I'm going to have to come back to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to remember the first part. So it's, you know, as far as the suicide piece goes and that kind of thing, I'm, for one, I hate to hear that somebody's suffering in that way, and they're probably not the only person in this room that's felt that way. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't think that's something that you have to live with the rest of your life and just accept. Um, and I do think it, it's completely normal that stressors are impacting um, that feeling. And that, that happens for me, too, and uh, feeling down and stressors. So, I mean, a lot of stressors could be grief. It could be relational or family problems. It could be school. It could be work. Um, it could be some significant life changer. It could be some tr past trauma of abuse, of emotional, physical, or sexual abuse. So there's a lot of stressors. Um, and everybody is impacted by stress in different ways. Um, so anyway, t to say that, I don't, I don't think it has to be some long journey of lifetime thing that you have to accept that this is my lot in life and I have to carry this the rest of my life. Um, so yeah. hopefully anything else? No, to, I think okay. that's, that's really good. That's really yeah. good. And, so, and you would totally agree that in certain seasons of life, like it's very normal for your anxiety to kind of almost sure. fluctuate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm about to have a kid in a month, yeah. and that, you know, that's new to me in my yeah. life, and that's yeah. going to be a huge adjustment. Yeah. I'm going to be stressed, yeah. and you can come and help me keep the child if you want. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know about, and my wife works in Wombaland here at the church, so okay. she's like a professional. Well, I'll bring her there. So, yeah. I'll bring her so, there. Did I hear a cheer for Wombaland? Someone over here? Yeah, awesome. Oh, you were here in Wombaland, oh. too. That's, that's amazing. A um, couple more questions here. Uh, Kim, this one's for you. How, how do you begin to explain anxiety to your close friends whom you are struggling to open up with or maybe they're struggling to understand? Yeah. Absolutely. I think I kind of even started to mention just that value of having, like, safe and trustworthy friends. But like Burke was saying, anxiety is different for all of us. And so I think it's really helpful if we're going to explain anxiety to our friends to kind of notice what anxiety is like for us. And so if we notice that when we walk into a room of 200 college students that that gives us anxiety, then it's helpful to be able to share that with our friends so that then our friends kind of know a little bit more about potential triggers or if our stomach gets upset or if we kind of have like tight shoulders because it's just 
helpful to be able to give them the most information. And I love one of my clients has a good friend that she's just been able to share really vulnerably kind of what she experiences. And so they have this kind of like communication where if they send each other a certain emoji, so it may be like the bomb emoji, they know like she's having a bad day. And so it's just really, really helpful to kind of come up with some things with your friends so that they just understand. And I think the biggest thing is like if you're a friend of somebody that has anxiety is to really just continue to have conversations with them, continue to invite them to things, even if they say no. And I think a big thing to remember is that anxiety kind of starts to change a person or in those moments when we're feeling anxious, we're not fully ourselves. And so just kind of beginning to still offer that invite, kind of being understanding, trying to provide supportive resources, asking them what they might need. Um, and so that can be a huge way of supporting yeah. your friend. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, Burke, final question. If we're always going to experience anxiety to some extent in our lives, and we've talked about that throughout the series, that all of us, we're, we're going to always probably be experiencing anxiety to some extent in, in every season of our lives, then is it really even worth working on? Like, is it really worth us talking about this? Is it worth working on? Is it worth stepping into these action steps if we're always going to experience it to some extent? I would say absolutely. Of course, I'm a counselor. But, um, you know, I, I think it may be, um, the anxiety may be keying in on something, you know, for that God wants us to explore or discover, right? Yeah. Or what's happening in our soul, wow. you know? And so... Um, and it, it may look different in different seasons. And so I, I definitely think it's always worth pursuing. And um, it's important to be curious about it, but not judgmental towards yourself. And so um, so I would say yes, always. Because I, I think, um, I, I mean, we're all on this journey towards sanctification, right? And yeah. yet we are going to go through these seasons. And, that, and that's completely normal. And it's also, I think it's just an opportunity for us to grow um, with God, it's uh, us for our opportunity to grow in ourselves and um, to find comfort for our souls. So. Wow, that's good, Burke. I love what you just said because I feel like what you were saying was that God may use your anxiety. In fact, he probably won't may use it. Like God will use your anxiety to help you become the person he's calling you to become. Like, like God can redeem your anxiety for good. And so maybe some of you need to hear that tonight. That's encouraging to me. That Yeah, and I'll even add, like I was... When we were worshiping, I was standing in the back. I was thinking, wow, like, how cool is that? God's used my anxiety. He knew, like, when I went to school five years ago that I'd be here tonight. Wow. You know? Wow. I mean, like, yeah. and so um, he's definitely using it for good. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Bert, Kim, um, final thoughts here. If you could go back and speak to your college-age self, what would you want to tell your college-age self, and how would you want to encourage that person in regards to this topic of, of anxiety? All right. Um, so for me, I, I remember when I first started struggling with depression and anxiety in college, uh, the guy that led me to the Lord, his last name was Frickin' Schmidt, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, that's that's a crazy, crazy name. name. <laughs> yeah. Does Someone anybody have that last name? It's bold that you even said that last name from the stage. I'm going to be honest. That's, <laughs> well, thank that's you. That's amazing. Um, but he, he <laughs> told me, he's a great guy, um, and I love I loved him, and, and he, but he told me at that time that it was my sin, and um, and so I went into, like, panic mode, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I will burn all my clothes in ashes, you know, oh, to yeah, to yeah. get this feeling, you know, away. 
And so for me, I think it was, um, it's important to know if I had like one thing I want to leave with you. I think God finds delight in hearing the pain that's going on in your heart and soul. Wow. He finds delight in that. Mm. And if you read Psalm 13 and Psalm 88, that he, um, he finds pleasure in that, and he, it's a very righteous thing. Mm. And you're living in righteousness when you um, bring that to him. Even the frustration, um, even if you're angry at him, he gets it. Um, and he finds great delight in to hear what's going on in your heart. Yeah. And so... Wow, with that. Awesome. Absolutely. As I kind of think back on college Kim and just the way that I would encourage her and encourage you guys, I think three big things kind of stood out to me. And the first one is just hang in there. Um, mm. It's going to get better and it will get easier at some point. Mm. And the second one was have some fun. Just enjoy the experience and enjoy kind of what's around you, the different opportunities, the friends, the roommates, and different things like that. And then the third one I think that just kind of stood out to me is it's okay to be yourself and you're accepted just because of who you are and your friends are going to love you exactly how you are and that's why they're your friends. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Burke and Kim, for that. Thank you for being here tonight and for investing in us. Can we give it up for Burke and Kim? Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. Um, I was thinking about how I kind of wanted to, to wrap up the night tonight, and it came to me um, as I was watching college football this past Saturday. And I was watching a game, and it was a really good game, but it was one of those games that comes down to the wire, you know, you know those types of games I'm talking about, like you're super nervous, you're, you're, you're anxious, and that, that was me, like my anxiety. I was like, Matt, pay attention to this, like take some action steps, like, you know, you, you heard last week's talk, like, you know, and so I'm trying to put this into practice, and there's this one play where I thought that the call on the field was, was not right. Like, I was like, man, that's a bad call. Like, that, you know, he, I don't even remember what it was. Like, he was, like, out of bounds. And I'm like, he, he tiptoed in. You know, he's good. Um, but they called him out or whatever. But then the coach is like, no, 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 we're going to go, like, review that. And so what they do, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but they'll do these types of things where they'll send the call up to the booth, right? And, and the person up in the booth will, like, look at all these different camera angles, and they'll see things that the referees can't see down on the field. And they'll start looking at the play, and sometimes it'll take like 10 minutes, and you're like, can you just figure this out already? You know, like you're getting frustrated as the fan. But a lot of times what will happen is they'll end up sending from the booth down to the field, and they'll be like, hey, upon further review, the ruling on the field has been overturned. You know, something like that. Like that's kind of how it sounds, whatever. Um, that was really bad. But um, they'll do that, and they'll say the ruling on the field is overturned oftentimes, where, where the call has been reversed. What, what, what it looked like on the field in the moment wasn't actually what was happening because the people up in the booth could see things that the players and the referees couldn't see down on the field. And tonight I thought maybe some of you, as we kind of wrap up this, this series and we get ready to finish off this night and head back to campus or your dorms, wherever you're walking into, whatever's coming next, I thought tonight maybe some of you need to hear that that whatever you're walking through, whatever situation you're going through, that maybe tonight it's time for you to say, hey, God, what do you say about that? 
Like, like maybe it's time to send this one up to the booth and to say, God, I, I want to hear your thoughts on that because you see things that I don't see. Like you have a perspective that I don't have. You see the big picture. You can redeem things that seem really, really bad and you can use it for something really, really good. The proof of that is the cross. The cross is the worst event in human history and it becomes now the thing that we celebrate. It's our hope. It's, it's, it's our freedom. It's what redeemed our sins. God turned the worst event in history into the greatest event in history. And maybe tonight for some of you, God is shouting down from the booth. You hear him loud and clear. And he's saying, upon further review, your situation isn't hopeless. Uh, upon further review tonight, maybe the, the craziness, the chaos that you're walking through, God's saying, no, I, I want to give you peace in the midst of what you're walking through. Upon further review, I know it looks like everything is falling apart and relationships are ending and your family is a mess, but, but there's still hope. I'm with you. I'm for you. Stay with me. Maybe tonight you need, to, you need to hear that. Upon further review, I don't know what it is that you're going through, but we're going to close out with some worship. And, and my ask to you tonight is this. In these final few minutes, would you just take your situation, whatever it is that you're walking through, and would you say, God, I want to hear what you have to say about this? Because I think God in response is going to say, hey, upon further review, I'm with you. Upon further review, there's hope. I love you. There's freedom. Anxiety does not have to define your life. I want, to let, I want you to let go of some weight tonight. I want you to walk out of here a little bit different than the way that you came in. So, so God, we come to you tonight. And Lord, we thank you that you're the God, that you, you see things that we don't see. And Lord, I know that there are so many students, so many people in the room tonight that we're walking through anxiety and it's real and it's heavy and it is tough. For some of us, just coming through the doors tonight was like a major, major challenge. But God, you, you had us all here for a specific reason. And God, I believe tonight you want us to leave feeling a little bit more free. And I think tonight, God, you want to say some things to us. You want to speak truth over our lives. You want to remind us that you're with us, that you're for us, that there's hope. God, you're good. And you're never going to let us down. We love you so much and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do and it's in your mighty mighty name that we pray tonight amen